0: a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We're back with FL Morris of Grassroots Farm to talk about an important detour in her farming career Taking a year long sabbatical off the farm. Hear what she learned working on farms on the West Coast for a year, and how time off can be a healthy alternative to burning out, and more importantly, how the sabbatical fueled her recommitment to her farm. FL Morris is a first generation, certified organic vegetable and pastured livestock producer running Grassroots Farm in Monroe, Wisconsin. FL is a founding member and president of the South Central Wisconsin Hemp Cooperative. The first organic farmer led hemp cooperative in the state. We are back with FL Morris of Grassroots Farm, continuing the topic actually of our last chat on her farm story and ending FL where you had a lot of things going on, right? I mean, the farm was thriving. You were, shall we say, busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shall we say, maybe a little stressed too with all of these things going on. And would love to dial in. Now, with your – you call it a sabbatical, but you took basically a year off-farm, right? And and put grassroots, as we were just talking about it, on hold Mm -hmm. for a year. Mm -hmm. So take us back – like, when did that thought come in your mind that, hey, I need something
1: else for a while, right? Mm -hmm. So in the fall of 2016, I – realized I had some volatility around my farmer's market, wasn't able, you know, there was more vendors of a similar type, less customers, hot weather, all these factors that brought that sales bucket down a bit. I was witnessing farmers going out of business around me and I was inheriting many times without paying for just because they needed the stuff to go somewhere. I was inheriting people's equipment and they were closing their farms down. And I was realizing that... I could get burnt out because it was still a situation where I felt uncomfortable jacking my prices up to cover my costs and give myself, I don't even know what a living wage is, but give myself a wage that was above the poverty line. I just couldn't get there. I couldn't be out there with the $6 a pound tomatoes. I really wanted to sell more volume at a less price. And that, when you look at the numbers of that, um, you can't. It's very hard to increase food access and be profitable on a very inefficient system, which is what a small scale system is. I had no mechanization. my My cultivation was the most efficient cultivation I have is a wheel hoe that's body powered. <laughs> so, I thought I, I would tell people I do everything inefficiently. That was kind of a line. Oh, what do you do on your farm? Well, I do everything inefficiently. Okay, that's very true. Um, <laughs> but also, I started using this analogy later as farming is like a hamster wheel. You know, you before you even have a chance to think about what you want to do next year. You're already planting garlic and you've like hooked in a certain number of garlic bulbs for the following year. So it's like, if I plant 3000 garlic bulbs, well, I better have a CSA. Cause I know I can get through through 1500 of them that way. And the rest can get planted or wholesaled or farmer's market or whatever. So it's like you commit already to be farming by planting your garlic in the fall. And you, for me, I didn't have a very efficient planning system. I wasn't just like changing the date on my direct seeding or transplant list and everything stayed the same. Like I would start from scratch every year based on how seed varieties grew, um, where I was planting things, how much room, designing the CSA box from the box backwards. I really didn't have an efficient planning process, so therefore it took me months putting together all of my my um, seed orders, going to conferences, very important, keeping up on education, learning new things, running the numbers and starting a new enterprise. It was very much a hamster wheel. So to get back to your question, In 2016, I started planning for 2017 totally differently. I was like, something needs to change. And I wasn't thinking at the time that I was going to take a break from my farm, like physically. I was thinking, I'm going to pause the veggie CSA, because we're talking 55 or 60 different types of vegetables here in a CSA. That's a lot of different things to manage just in and of itself. But I also, all the mixed livestock and the schedules that those things were on and all the feed that I was having to buy, organic feed to feed that. I decided that I was just going to focus on grass-based lamb and cattle and just keep it simple and raise eggs and really just try and get into a wholesale market around uh, the, thing, the The resource that I have the most of at Grassroots Farm is grass. So I really just wanted to be uh, a pasture person for the year and really kind of collect my thoughts and maybe focus a little more on how to increase food access to all people without... Um, running in a not profitable business. Well, which tell us a little more
0: how you came to that decision because that's a really big deal that a lot of folks, a lot of women can't get to, right? Because we get A, caught up in that hamster wheel, and B, it's hard to let go, right? Especially it is. if something
1: that you created yourself, it's your baby and it's yes. successful. Plus, there's a well, successful. Yes, I grew a lot of food. Successful. Getting above the poverty line, no. Mm-hmm. So to find success, I have a great life. I eat like the most wealthiest person on earth. I do a ton of trading, including the most creative things like haircuts and tattoos. I mean, I have everything <laughs> that I want in my life, and I, ha- and I have benefits through Care because of my wage being so low, and that's just what money was left over. That's all I could pay myself. There's also there was also a lot of debt associated with getting into farming because we did not inherit land, tools, knowledge, none of it. It was all powered by my mother's good job in Chicago and my efforts at farming. So so there is this idea that taking a break is quitting or that you... Falsely so, might right, we just Right, <laughs> we'll so, go falsely that so. Premise. Like we don't, as a farming community, we don't talk about taking breaks There's this feeling of sadness that we have towards each other when someone quits. There's not many people leading by example and saying, hey, we're just taking a year off because they're afraid they're going to use their customer base, they're going to lose it, rather. You know, it's just, it's not part of the narrative. Like when I was doing all of that uh, uh, craft farmer training programming as a young farmer at Michael Fields, it was never even discussed. Taking a break is like out of the equation. You do it over and over and over again and try and figure out some farm life work balance. Right. So, but I just, I also, I didn't want to get burnt out. We made a lifelong investment in farmland and I knew that I just needed to scale it back a little bit that I was standing in my greenhouse by myself in the fall of 2016. I was looking at all my fall crops You know, which is basically like, here we go again, right? You've already done it all in the spring, planted everything, been harvesting for four months, and now you're in there looking at your fall crops, and you're like, here we go again. We're not quite done yet. We got these transplants in the greenhouse, and it's October. And I thought to myself, who am I trying to impress? Because I'm out here all alone. Yes, I'm connected to customers when I go to Chicago. No, very few of them ever come to this farm. They don't really understand farming or what it takes to bring that produce there. They really like me, which is great. But I really am like, I'm alone. People, young people have been coming onto my farm, any age person been coming onto my farm, seeing how hard I work, having a great summer, putting in their time with me, working very part time, getting paid well, great, great, you know, quote, benefits of produce, even a vehicle and housing, but ultimately realizing they didn't want to be farmers because they were like, well, I don't want to work as much as FL does. Or like, (laughs) I see what FL's financial situation is, and that's not the one for me. So I asked myself who I was trying to impress and I decided to do a little self-care and scale it back. Then I got the opportunity to go to a women in ag conference in Portland. I had never been out West since growing up in California, but I had never been to the state of Oregon. And out there, I made a connection with a person who had a 400 acre family farm that was doing a totally different kind of ag as me. And I went to her farm and I checked out This whole other scene, completely different diversity in ag, and I don't mean people diversity, I mean agricultural diversity. They've got hazelnuts out there. Um, People farm grass. They farm different plants for the pharmaceutical industry. This particular farm was growing sweet corn and green beans on a a bulk scale and also had a lot of uh, timber, fir, cottonwood. They were growing native perennial seeds. Um, as well as uh, perennial ryegrass. And, and it was just like this opportunity came to me to join someone else's farm or at least have access to this whole completely different kind of farming. And I took it. And I was like, hey, I want to try this out. I want to try out this Pacific Northwest. Everyone's always talking about it. So great here. Um, I ended up taking a job, deciding to, to take the break. Which so we're was, talking a
0: year, a growing season.
1: Yes. And I always framed it that way. Going to be gone for a year. You know, the I had a lot of breeding stock at that time. So it was really quite a bit of finagling to exit. I, when you have animals, it's, it's a different level of responsibility. And mm-hmm. I was able to keep my cattle and have them managed by someone else. I got, I passed my geese, sheep, and chickens on to Andrea Hazard at Hazard free, free Farms. And um, I made a lot of sacrifices. Financial, animal, um, emotional, to go to Oregon, spend the year out there, worked on a vegetable farm at first, realized that it wasn't a good fit, ended up bouncing back to this farm in Albany and had essentially a part time job, learned all kinds of new skills, you know, more chainsaw skills. I learned how to grow seed, which is very different than growing vegetables. We let a lot of weeds sneak through because it doesn't really hurt our bottom line. You know weeds and vegetables, as long as they're not too many weeds, can grow hand in hand. but when you're growing a seed you're you're literally walking out with a bag like a feed bag attached to your belt and a roguing hoe, and you're pulling out in a forty acre field and a line of people, you're pulling out like every single weed that is of a certain kind that will affect how that seed is cleaned and this was in a conventional oh, system interesting yeah so it's just really different like you don't want to see any weeds on a seed plot right so picked up a bunch of new skills learned large-scale in- er, irrigation but ultimately what it gave it's like what does an organic diversified organic farmer do when they're not farming. Not many of us know because we're always farming. Even in the winter, we're farming. We're planning our farms. We're going to farm conferences. It's that hamster wheel, right? I started researching the nonprofit model. I started reading books on the economy. I started reading books on social business. I read books on how do you make a successful nonprofit and also just like those boring textbook books about nonprofits. And I realized like a different model needs to happen here in order to increase food access, which is my passion, and do it while providing the people laboring at it with a living wage. And um, that's really what my sabbatical provided me, was the opportunity to think about my first 10 years farming. What could I do better? How could I change how I, what, what should I do with my skills? going forward that can increase food access that is actually designing a new model that I hadn't heard of before. And so I came back in uh, the early spring of 2018 from Oregon, and I I went to a leadership training class. It was an eight-week class at Madison College. I knew I was preparing for something. Um, I wasn't really sure what, but I had some ideas cooking um, around a different type of model, maybe using the profit model, maybe using the social business model, which is essentially having a for profit business, paying your workers and for your expenses, having a profitable crop or item, but also taking your profit and and using it to power a social mission, or perhaps a product that is profitable is also filling a social need so Looking at this other business ideas, had a few ideas cooking around in the community. Also realized that when I was in Oregon, I wasn't going to be able to start something big because no one knew me. I didn't, it wasn't my community. You know, people were meeting me for the first time and I was talking about this idea I was having about that community in Albany. Like, hey, working with this youth shelter, doing this gleaning, getting these meals into this youth shelter. People like, wow, FL, that's a great idea. And then like crickets, because <laughs> it was like they weren't gonna be like I want to help you, but then I come home and it was totally different. Like for six months, people told me how happy they were that I was back, and it went on beyond that. It was still the end of 2018, and people were just like, "I'm so glad you're back." So it was like I had this like reputation uh, in our own community of like when I say I'm gonna do something, I do it well, or at least at least I do it. Yeah. So it was like okay, now what are my ideas?
0: But that's huge because, to your point, community takes time to build, and you know, if you
1: would have settled in Albany,
0: that could have happened, but you realize you had time vested here. But hearing your story chronologically like that, I think it's really unique in that when we were talking earlier about identifying the need for the sabbatical and doing it before you burned out, Mm mm-hmm was huge mm-hmm. because, A, if you were really burned out, you probably wouldn't want to work on a farm. Do right. you know what I mean? You want to do something right. completely. And that does happen to people mm-hmm. and that can be totally valid. But the fact that you you left before it was all cooked up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, yeah. you took the time off when you were still excited about farming but identified that you needed something new.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And that gave you the time and space to fuel right. all these new visions and energy.
1: And when you leave your farm and you apply your skills to someone else's farm, whatever scale, whatever business model, you get paid per hour. We don't get paid per hour when we run our own business. In fact, when you do the math on how many hours most of us are putting in, it's less than $2 an hour that we're making by small scale, diversified vegetable farming. So it's like the ability for me to go it didn't have to be at the another part of the country, it just happened to be, but to be able to go somewhere else and make $15 an hour for my time, like just the numbers on that, I could put in a few hours in one day and make as much money in that one day that I was making for myself in one week. So it's like, what did I do with the rest of my time? Well, I did a lot of gluten-free baking. I made a lot of meals. I did a lot of dog walks. I... Did this reading? Um, did things. a lot of reading in front of a fire or outside. Like I, I'm a slow reader, but I really do like reading. And of course, I hadn't read anything that wasn't related to information I was specifically seeking around farming or a farming technique or building a fence or animal husbandry. This was different. I was like reading these more big picture. You know, I read The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. That was a big one for me. I was like, okay, I'm a connector, but I'm also a maven, but I'm also a salesperson. Okay, this helps me learn about myself. I also got into the Enneagram, which is this whole system of thinking about your personality where I'd never been psychoanalyzed by anyone else or myself. Here I found out by reading about the Enneagram, I'm just a number two. That is like, i read about this. I was like, oh my God, it was like this book was written for me. But that was really... Helpful for me to do that, and again, I, ca- I consider it self care to just kind of look at how you even function in your own community. What are your strengths? How do you apply them better? It it's very much linked to our own feelings of happiness. And uh, and
0: what advice would you give someone? Would you give a woman who is hearing your story now, and something's clicking? Do you know wherever they may be, of next steps, even because. From your story, I mean, you have to get out there, right? If you hadn't gone to that National Women and Sustainable Black mm-hmm. Conference in Oregon, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have met this, but, you know, mm-hmm.
1: et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. What's the first step? So the first step, I think, is to give your, especially your core base of customers, give your customers an idea that you might want to take a break next year. And start there. Do that preparatory work. Maybe find a farmer to take over just for one year, being very clear, this just might be for one year, to take over your CSA membership, to provide them still with vegetables that you can come right back. Just give yourself the opportunity that it's not forever, but to cover your bases. Maybe you even decide you can rent your land and you give a beginning farmer an opportunity to, with your support, use your facility. Or maybe you just put the whole thing to bed and instead of running around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to pay your farm, farm mortgage and pay for your labor you get a job that's going to pay you to manage a farm short-term jobs can be hard to find but you know nonprofits or just being clear hey i just i'll be your interim farm manager and get yourself a wage it's actually It's possible. And it might. It requires thinking outside of the box. It might be uncomfortable to get direction from someone else, which we typically don't as farmers. We own our own businesses. We make our own decisions. But the value in clocking out at five or six Hmm. and like have – what do you do? What do you do at five o'clock when you're not farming for yourself? Do you have hobbies? Do you play on a sports team? Do you do a different job? Do you volunteer? Do you do some – product research and development to support your future plans on your farm, what, do you go back to school? Um, you know, so I guess my my advice would be to do some of the pre-work with your customers and be like, hey, our family needs this, I need this. And then think about what fits for your farm in terms of either replacing your own position on your farm for a week. um, or what it would look like even just to rent your farm to someone else. And maybe that's just your farmhouse. You know, how do you cover your bills by getting a job elsewhere and thinking outside of the box? Uh, Because after that one year, I promise everyone's whole frame of reference will change. They'll be like, wow, I don't want to go back. Or like, holy crap, I missed it so much. I can't wait to get back into it. These are the things that would change. Like, what is a June like when you're not, like, crazy planting? What is What events have you never been able to go to before? Like, it really opens so many doors when we're not going to events and, you know, finding our true selves out there in the world because we're too busy farming. Not saying that's not our true selves, but, like, what doors open when we can, yeah. like, get out there and, and not be confined to, you know, our farms, which can very much feel like an island sometimes with, you know, no ship to get off of it. Terrific. Thank you so much, FL.
0: Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of techsocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.